What's happening, everybody? The six and five 49ers are on fire, traveling to a house of horrors in Seattle to face a reeling three and eight Seahawks team who will try to play spoilers. We'll talk about how these teams got here. Key matchups, predictions for week 13, locked on 49ers, locked on Seahawks, Thursday crossover pod coming at you right now. You are locked on 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. Brian Peacock here with Eric Crocker, Locked On 49ers. And down below there is Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. This episode brought to you in part by Stat Hero, the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head to head fantasy matchups, winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Corbin, what's happening, my man? I know you just came fresh from a Pete Carroll press conference. Uh, is Pete is Pete like up? Is he like, yeah, we're ready to go. Good matchup against the 49ers. We're going to run the table, go make the playoffs. Uh, or, or is he maybe looking at um, Maui in the off season and maybe looking at maybe how retirement might look and, and is Schneider looking at, Hey, how many first round picks can we get for Russell Wilson? Like what wh- what's your vibe right now with this team? How, how are they handling a three and eight start to the season, which is obviously hugely disappointing. Well, I think Pete Carroll's handling it fairly well in regard to he's still going all in. You know, they're mathematically not eliminated from the playoffs yet somehow. I I don't know how, but um, that's what happens when you play in a mediocre conference, I guess. But they still have like a 0.6% chance, which I told him that today, and he was like, you can have less than 1%. And I was like, yes, coach, you can. Um, I did ask him, you know, are you at the point now, this is uncharted territory where you might want to play some younger players and start filtering them into the lineup to start preparing for the future. And he immediately shot that down. No, not at all. They're not going to be doing that. He's like, you'd love to play everybody, but we need to start blowing people out. Then they can get in the game. So I get the sense that Pete Carroll, you know, he's being his typical optimistic self that we can still get this rolling at the same time that it also feels like there's kind of a sense of denial in the response that he just gave there, because you're five games under 500. You're in last place. Your quarterback's playing the worst football of his entire career. The defense has been playing great for the most part, but it hasn't mattered. You're still losing games. It just doesn't seem like this season has any way to be salvageable at this point. And you would think that you'd start wanting to play younger guys. Maybe that will be what they choose to do down the road. But right now, uh, he's the boxer that still thinks he's got one last punch in him. He thinks his team still got one last punch in him. So, uh, they're they're not giving in yet, so I guess from that standpoint, he's handling it okay. <laughs> to to kind of help him out, and maybe you know some fans that may be listening, or you know people that cover the Seahawks as well. There is a little bit of optimism, you know. I'm going to give you guys a little bit here where 49ers were kind of in a similar situation. They were two and four, and the question started to be asked: Hey, when do you start playing some of the young, younger guys? And Kyle Shanahan's response was: When we are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but that wasn't the case. And he was still continuing to go all in on turning that season around. And to this point, now he has, right? 49ers have won three straight games. They are, what, the sixth seed and really a half game out from, uh, you know, being the fifth seed, right? They're right behind the Rams. So I believe the Seahawks are two games out and they also own the tiebreaker against the San Francisco 49ers. So 
Yeah, if I'm Pete Carroll, like I'm still going all in. Like this is not over. And if I have Russell Wilson, like I definitely feel confident that he can potentially turn this thing around. It just takes that one win and to get the ball rolling in the right direction. You know, they haven't gotten very many wins this year to speak of. They've lost six of their last seven. So it's just been one of those things where each week it's been like, this will be our week. We're going to finally get this thing going, and it just hasn't happened. So I think that the optimism away from Pete Carroll, and this has even been tough on him, the the eternal optimist, to be able to handle this because just not used to this. As coach of the Seahawks, they've never been in this situation since he arrived in 2010. Even the two teams that missed the playoffs – we're in the hunt in mid-December. They're really entering December barely having any life in terms of the playoffs. And a lot of these games could be meaningless with their next loss. That's just the reality. Yeah, and when it comes to being mathematically eliminated, I mean, the, the Seahawks are the 15 seed, and they may never be mathematically eliminated until week 18, really. And um, it, it's interesting because with – and look, this is what the league loves, ultimate parity – with um, you know an extra, you know there's 17 games now on the schedule and seven playoff teams in each conference. It's going to take a while to be mathematically eliminated for pretty much every team in the NFL except for the Detroit Lions. Um, Russ obviously had the injury. Are we seeing a hangover from the injury? Did he come back too soon? Because he's played downright bad. I can't remember a time where he just looked bad like this. And you've got weapons outside like DK Metcalf, zero targets in the first three quarters. Is this an offensive coordinator thing? Is this a, a Russ not looking his way thing? Like I don't, I don't get it. I don't get any of it. It seems like there would be some things that you could do that would be more quick fixes, and they're not doing those either. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking that for weeks that, you know, all you got to do is just get Russ going and get a little bit of a run game going, you know, and things are going to start turning around because you look at the roster and think there's just too much talent for them to continue playing like this. And yet now here we are going into week 13. And based on what I've seen, I don't know that fans should have any confidence in Shane Waldron running this offense at this point. Mm. I don't know that Russell Wilson is healthy. I mean, he claims he is, but maybe it's more of not being mentally healthy right now. It just seems like he's, he's not playing with the confidence you're used to seeing from Russell Wilson. And this has been a really challenging year for him. His mental coach died from cancer earlier this year. And I think that that has been something that has really weighed on him this season. And now he's going through the stretch and he doesn't have Trevor here to talk to. I, I, I don't know how much that has in terms of bearing on his play right now, but there's been a lot that has gone on. And so <laughs> you can point the finger at a number of people when you're three and eight, everybody's got a shoulder to blame, but there's no question. The coordinator Shane Waldron's really struggled in his first year as a coordinator calling the plays and Russell Wilson, especially on the short throws, he's airmailing everything. So maybe that's where the fingers coming into play when he has to really gun it into tight places on shorter throws. He has had a hard time getting on top of the football. His deep ball has looked okay, especially last week on Monday night. looked pretty solid with the deep ball. But uh, the short to intermediate game's really been a struggle. And meanwhile, the 49ers, you know, when, we, when these two teams met in week four, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in that game. Trey Lance struggled in his action in the second half. And yet, it seemed like this 49ers offense has been able to find life in the last three or four games. Yeah, real quick, I do want to ask one question. I saw this kind of, uh, I guess, kind of disagreement, or it looked like uh, maybe one of your receivers is a little disgruntled. DK Metcalf, he was kind of pointing to Geno Smith. Was DK asking to get 
What? Uh, Russell Wilson out of the game. He looked frustrated. He didn't have any targets until the that. fourth quarter. Wow. I don't. I don't know that that's what was going on, but I saw it from the press box when it happened, and I kind of had to bat an eye a little bit. Like, did I just see what I thought I just saw there? But Russell Wilson's not looking for him. It's it's so bizarre. I mean, that that's just that's been the season for the Seattle Seahawks. Just nothing is explainable, and not in a good way. And when you don't target him for three quarters to start a game, uh, that's that's just an embarrassment for the quarterback and for the coordinator. You can't scheme to get him the football. Uh, so yeah, throw him I, I can see why he's upset. It, it just seems like the only time Wilson's trying to get the ball to him, he's forcing the issue. And there were times that he was open and didn't make throws to him in the last game. So DK was getting targets when Geno Smith was in there. So I don't think he's trying to get Geno Smith in the game, but at the same time, you know, he might be thinking was, well, Gino was actually trying to throw the wall to me. Yeah, he was he was upset. He was pointing to Geno Smith and he was and I'm like, okay, that can only mean one thing in my opinion. So yeah, a little little trouble in uh, I, I want to say paradise, but definitely not paradise right now with the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> oh, fractured locker room. And there was the Geno Smith tweet, I think, about uh about or maybe it was, it was on Instagram and it, it sounded like he was kind of throwing shade at Russell Wilson, like he should be the guy. Man, I don't know. Uh, it's all coming. It's all coming apart. The 49ers have an opportunity. I, to step listen, I, I drew ire during the game because I tweeted, you know, they'll never do it, but might this be the moment that you make a switch here? And it's because I don't, I don't think Russell Wilson is healthy, personally. Mm-hmm. Wilson's going to say he is, but I, I just don't think he is. So it's not that I think Russell Wilson is worse than Geno Smith because I'm not a lunatic. I don't think that, but <laughs> they were more. Their offense was more consistent with Geno Smith under center than the last three weeks with Russell Wilson. <laughs> that's just, mm. unfortunately that's the truth. And I, I think there've been other football analysts that have seen similar things. Flipping it to the positive side of things. Last one for you, Corbin, before um, we, we flip the script here and, and you can uh, ask us some questions about these San Francisco 49ers, these red hot San Francisco 49ers is there anything positive happening some sleeper players maybe that 49ers fans haven't noticed that might notice this Sunday on the field for the Seahawks I don't know if there have been any sleepers as far as you know players that have just come out of nowhere that have been playing lights out but the defense is playing really well the Seahawks right now are giving up the sixth fewest points in the NFL per game they gave up 17 to the Green Bay Packers a few weeks ago they lost that game They gave up 17 points on Monday night to Washington, had a fourth down and goal stand at the end of the game to give Russell Wilson a chance to go down and tie the game. The defense has done what they need to do to win football games, and they're just getting absolutely no support. And Jamal Adams is playing like the player they thought he was going to be the last three or four games. He's been all over the field. He's got two interceptions, so those that think he can't play coverage, he's kind of been – Put, holding the football up, hey, I can I can play coverage. And so it's, it's been a really weird sequence of events here, how the offense, of all things, is what ended up leading to Seattle's downfall because the defense has been pretty darn good for the most part. They had one hiccup against Colt McCoy a couple weeks ago, but otherwise uh, they've been playing much better as of late. And, uh, again, it's unfortunate for Seahawks fans because you never would have thought you'd be 3-8 and eight because of your offense not getting the job done. But yeah, that, and that hey, things have played out. The Niners had a hiccup against Colt McCoy too. So Colt McCoy's uh, done that a time or two so far this season. Um, so, all right, that's we, kind of what I want to ask you because 
I think everybody left the 49ers. I'm going to admit it. I thought the 49ers were toast after that game. You know, the Cardinals are missing so many key players. And to get beaten that way, to give up more than 30 points, it just seemed like, oh, man, this team just doesn't seem like they're going to turn things around. And yet it seems like they've kind of been galvanized since that outcome. Croc, you want to handle that one? Uh, there's, yeah, there, there's, it's, it's definitely neck up. I think what changed with the 49ers, it's not a personnel thing. It's not calling different plays. Um, maybe there's a little bit of that, but there's just a physicality. There's a, there's a, somebody, you know, slapped them all in the face. There was a closed door meeting and they said, look, let's go beat people up. Like we've done before, we're that team. Let's go do that. And I felt like the the Seahawks have an opportunity to do that at some point. We just haven't seen it. And uh, the Forty ers just said enough of this. Let's go bully people around. We've got Trent Williams. Let's run behind him because uh, you, you know he, he, there's bodies flying left and right when we run behind him, and we can go do what we want to do. And let's impose our will on the other team instead of letting you know the league happen to us and letting fate happen to us. Is that the the biggest thing, Croc, to you? This change with the Forty ers Yeah. I- it was it was really frustrating early on because we couldn't put like our finger on exactly what was going on with the 49ers. Like right now, you can look at Russell Wilson and say, he's not right. This is not the Russell Wilson we're used to seeing. He's airmailing passes. He does not look healthy, and that can attribute to losses. Well, what the 49ers are going through, it wasn't just one thing that you could pinpoint. The team was relatively healthy. You have playmakers all over the place. The you know defense has definitely good enough players. It's all the same guys now during this three-game winning streak. So what was missing? And I think really kind of like what Peacock said, that it's, it's from the neck up that you stop seeing some of the mental mistakes. You see guys starting to take the ball away, and I think that's the biggest thing, the 49ers being able to not just take the ball away but also not turn the ball over. And I think that and that, that those the turnover differential over the last three games is probably the biggest difference as to why they had a four game losing streak and switched over to a three game winning streak. I want to pause right there and let the listeners out here know about our friends at Stat Hero before we dive deeper into this game and some key matchups and some predictions coming up because nobody plays daily fantasy sports to lose. Although, man, it would seem like I've been playing fantasy sports to lose this season my fantasy leagues have not been going well uh, winning feels so much better but traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who or what you're up against stat hero is the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups winner take all and here's the crazy part stat hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one you think that dk metcalf breakout's coming Maybe a Brandon Ayuk breakout's coming this week. Uh, It's been slow for DK, but maybe that's where you can slip in and get a little value for some of these players at Stat Hero. This never-seen-before innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has Stat Hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why? Because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknowns. Stat Hero puts you in control of your Fate. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. It's promo code locked on for that 100% deposit match. Stathero.com slash locked on with promo code locked on for a 100% match. Again, stathero.com slash locked on. 
All right, folks, we've got the Thursday crossover right now. Brian Peacock at BD Peacock on Twitter. Eric Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker from Locked On 49ers. Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Find his work at Sports Illustrated and find him on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Uh, What else are you wondering about when it comes to this 49ers team ahead of this matchup Sunday, Corbin? Well, when I look at this team and I look at the way they've played as of late, Everybody expected this defense was going to be really good going into the season, and I thought that that was one of the bigger letdowns early on for San Francisco. You talked about the physicality, but in the couple games I've watched recently, the thing that has really jumped out to me is it seems like they have been getting after the quarterback a lot more, particularly Nick Bosa. He looks like the Nick Bosa pre-injury these last several games. How much has that made an impact on the way that this 49ers defense has played during this win streak? The the pass rush is is hugely important, right, Croc? I guess built around the pass rush. So if you don't have that, then the 49ers defense really struggles. And luckily they have had um, Nick Bosa doing Nick Bosa things, 11 sacks in 11 games. And if it wasn't for him, they might be in trouble because they're not getting a ton. Occasionally someone will rotate in and, and give him some help. And we've seen guys like Arden Key, who the Niners got off the scrap heap in the offseason, had three sacks in three games. Uh, he kind of disappeared last week. Aminahu came in, who they traded for, made one big play behind the line of scrimmage. But that's the only tackle he's even made as a 49er. So there's been one guy every game to make kind of a play, but it's been Bosa, and that's about it for most of the yeah. season. But luckily, the Niners have one of the better pass rushers in the league, and I think he's still continuing to get better coming off that ACL. I actually think this the secondary is kind of holding things together. Again, Nick Bosa has been terrific, but he's kind of been doing it solo, and it's been a group effort. You know, a lot of times if you look at, you know, say 2019 with the 49ers, you could say, man, that defense is firing on all cylinders because of that front. Well, right now, I don't think you can pinpoint to one level – of the defense it just looks like the d line is playing just good enough the second the linebackers are playing just good enough and same with the secondary playing just good enough i don't think either level has been purely dominant even though if you look at some of the statistics the 49ers pass defense is like third in the nfl i don't think they necessarily play to that but they're definitely not bad so yeah it's been interesting seeing like how they've kind of brought everything together as a defense as a whole, because the pass rush has been so inconsistent. And on offense, Debo Samuel has just been dominant. They've been using him out of the backfield. They've been using him at receiver, just that do-it-all gadget player. And he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. But he's one of a few players, Fred Warner's also been banged up, that is in question, might not be able to play this weekend How much do those injuries potentially curb the momentum that this team has had, especially when you're playing a team like the Seahawks that's so desperate to just win a game? That's what kind of worries me about this game. I feel like this is that game where the Seahawks can get right against the 49ers and the Niners are without Debo, who's been their entire offense this year. And Fred Warner's, you know, the captain back there in the middle of the defense. They're without him. They've got a bunch of other linebackers banged up. So former undrafted linebacker Aziz Alshair, who's been an awesome find and been really good for the 49ers defense. It's going to be up to him. Um, I don't they're gonna have to, you know, tape together the the rest of the linebacking crew for this this game green laws most likely out so uh, i'm inter- i'm as interested as you are to see how the 49ers make up for this they they've got a good running game with elijah mitchell they've got 
weapons like Brandon Ayuk, who's been good and is coming on as the season progresses. They've got George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, has been somewhat under underutilized, has been used more as a blocker and been more effective there than as a pass catcher this season. So you would think they could just turn to those guys with those Debo Samuel touches, but they haven't really played massive roles. I mean, Elijah Mitchell has. He's got four 100-yard rushing games this season, but Debo's so unique. I don't know if you can replace him, but they have weapons and they have players to go to on offense that they haven't used enough. So the passing game side of things is where I'm fascinated to see if they move people around, try to use somebody in a Debo role, if they just pepper Ayuk and Kittle with targets right out of the gate, or if they try to just pound it down the Seahawks throat and win it that way. And um, I'm just as fascinated as everybody to find out what this looks like because we haven't seen him without Debo yet this year. We've seen him without Debo, you know, like last year, right? Debo Samuel, I think he played five or six games. He didn't play a full year. And they put more on Brandon Ayuk's plate. Now, they did some of the similar things like end arounds, and Ayuk was able to score on some of those, but definitely not to the same extent of how they use Debo Samuel. You know, Debo Samuel, he's been everything to this offense, whether he's at receiver or at running back. And he is a legit running back when he's back there. You know, they'll line him up. It'll be eye formation. And they'll throw a toss to him or they'll just turn and hand it to him like he's a legitimate running back. And he's broken off big plays. I believe last game he had 60 yards rushing. The game before that against Jacksonville, he had 80 yards rushing and utilized him as a pure running back. But on top of that, which I think most people would look at him like, oh, well, is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Is he a gadget player? I mean, he has over a thousand receiving yards and he has 10 total touchdowns, five receiving, five rushing. So I don't know if you can replicate what he's doing and just plug and play somebody else in the same role of how you've been use, utilizing him, but you definitely need some of these other guys to step up. Last week, George Kittle had one catch, and it was a screen pass. All right, you're definitely going to need more from him on that. Brandon Ayuk over the last few weeks has definitely stepped up his game, and they've been utilizing him more in the passing game. He had 90 receiving yards last week on three receptions, but even then, it seemed like the chemistry between him and Jimmy Garoppolo is slightly off. He had in the first half, it was like two receptions on six targets. And he's had, you know, uh, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of miss him high and wide on some different things. So we'll see if they can start to, you know, get more on the same page and have a little bit more, you know, efficiency there. But I think not having Debo Samuel, that, that's a big hit to the offense because we don't know what it's going to look like without him. Yeah, he's just such a such a unique playmaker. There are not a lot of guys that you can say he can play running back and look like a running natural running back, play receiver outside slot, just move him all over the place. So you're going to have to have several guys that are going to have to fill the gap. With him not being out there and the fact that George Kittle only had one catch last week, as a Seahawks analyst, that actually terrifies me because this seems like a game, even with the way Jamal Adams has been playing. And like I said, he's been playing at an elite level the last month. But that seems like that would be the matchup that would still be a major problem because a couple weeks ago, Zach Ertz went off, had two touchdowns, 88 receiving yards against the Seahawks in that game with Colt McCoy playing quarterback. So tight end still remains an area the Seahawks have had trouble. I would think if there's a get-right game for him and Jimmy Garoppolo, this is the opponent, and he's had some success over the years against the Seahawks. That's a fantastic one. Adams versus Kittle is definitely the the matchup I think I would highlight the most. And, you know, Ayuk's I, I a big one going against those corners for the Seahawks. But, uh, you know, Adams is the type of guy, and I'm sure 
George Kittle was part of the reason the Seahawks wanted to bring someone like Jamal Adams and pay all that to bring him in. So it's time, you know, Jamal, this is your game. This is your guy. And for the 49ers, they have to be looking at it this week and saying, we've got to get George Kittle going. We've got to make some big plays with him. We've got to target him a lot. You know, um, Debo or yeah. Uh, Kittle and Ayuk have half as many targets on the season almost as Debo. Debo's got 92 targets and another 25 carries, averaging eight yards per carry, averaging 18 yards per catch. So big plays after the catch down the field. It's insane what he's doing. The 49ers have to find a way to replace that, and it's pretty obvious who those guys are going to have to be. It's going to have to be Kittle. It's going to have to be Ayuk. So Kittle versus Adams is going to be a lot of fun. Who is who is Ayuk going to be seeing most? How's And by the way, how's DJ Reed? How's our guy DJ Reed doing over there? Well, he missed a game two weeks ago, but he had another nice bounce back performance. Ever since they moved him back to right corner, he's been playing really good football. The, the secondary in general for Seattle, as bad as it was at the cornerback position in particular, the first four or five games, they really have looked a lot better. And Sidney Jones now has kind of come into his own the last few weeks because their promising rookie Trey Brown suffered a patellar tendon injury. So that was a huge blow to their secondary because he looked – fantastic the first three starts that he had looked like they found a keeper there hopefully he can come back healthy and and not miss a step that's a pretty significant injury to come back from but uh, DJ Reed's been playing well Sidney Jones last couple weeks has looked pretty good he's been active coming up and hitting people too so he's done some nice things for him and like I said both the safeties are playing really well the defense has done what it has needed to do so they're going to go into this game especially without DJ uh, without Debo Samuel playing for the 49ers they're going to come into this game confident on defense with the way that they have been playing they just have to get some darn support and that's just been something that has not been there for close to two months they've just not gotten support from their offense all right we've got to move on we've got to make some predictions in this game for week 13 before we run out of time here on this thursday crossover podcast but i got to remind the folks out there about bet online who has you covered all season for more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before as football season continues to march toward the playoffs for some teams. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code locked on to receive that bonus. That is promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus. Some fun props out there like will the Lions go? 16 and one on the season or here's one that all the listeners of this particular podcast uh, can have some fun with will matthew stafford throw a pick six for the fourth straight game this week find that at betonline.ag and put big money on it not only pro football college football pro and college hoops nhl boxing ufc poker blackjack all your favorite vegas casino games as well don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers this season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts all right guys we got to make some predictions here niners favored by yeah here we go niners favored by three and a half points on the road before i make my prediction i want to ask you this corbin Let's say Kyle Shanahan comes out there and says, we're going to play bully ball from snap number one. We're going to run it right down the Seahawks throat. We're just going to run the ball third downs and short. Jimmy's going to make some passes over the middle of the field. Beep, bop, boop. We're going to go beat the Seahawks by, you know, whatever, four points. Would that strategy pay off against the Seahawks? Have the Seahawks been a team where you could go out there, run against them and play some very old school football against 
I don't know that running the ball in early in the season, they were having some issues stopping, stopping the run. Antonio Gibson did have a hundred rushing yards on Monday night. So they had a little bit of trouble dealing with him and JD McKissick in prime time, but really most of the season, they've been very good against the run. Alvin Kamara, they held to 2.6 yards per carry. They held James Conner to under three yards per carry a few weeks ago. They, they have consistently done a good job against the run. So I don't know necessarily that that is the way to beat this defense, but you mentioned the short passing game. Yeah. Dink and dunk it all over the field. That has been the key to beating the Seahawks team. They can't defend screens, had a couple nice plays against screens by Washington on Monday, but those have been exceptions. Most of the time teams have been able to crush them with running back and tight end screens, bubble screens out to receivers, all types of screens. They've had trouble with those. So if you're able to do that, they're going to try to take away the deep ball. That has not been something they've given up very often this year, vertical plays, but they will give you those short intermediate pass plays. And if you are able to dink and dunk your way down the field, Colt McCoy dominated them doing that. So I think from that aspect, and they're going to run the ball. If, if you wear the Seahawks down and Seattle's offense can't stay on the field, which has been the entire story of the season, then that run game is going to wear them down by the end. I just don't know that you necessarily can come out and just, we're just going to play bully ball right off the bat and think that that's going to be your best way to beat this defense. Because I don't think that is necessarily their biggest flaw, at least based on what I've seen in the first 11 games. Croc, I want to go to you first with the predictions because I can tell right away that you don't like that line right now. You don't like the Niners being favored by three and a half on the road in Seattle. Again, I mean, it comes back to like Russell Wilson, man. He's the boogeyman. He's the boogeyman of the 49ers, and it almost feels like he's never out of a game. You know, that game should have been out of reach last uh, Monday night against Washington. And somehow he crept back in it with a game, potential game time drive, and then recovered the onside kick. Now, I know they called some weird uh, penalty on Nick Ballore. Too many guys at one side, or he wasn't too far. He wasn't far enough outside the hashes. But when I look at this team and I look at Russell Wilson, I just feel like they're never out of it. So three and a half points, I think, in theory, with where the Seahawks are right now in this season, I guess it makes sense, especially with the 49ers kind of on the up. But I'm never comfortable with any type of spread when Russell Wilson is playing against the 49ers. But I'm still going to take the 49ers because if the 49ers continue to do what we expect them to do, what they've been doing over the last few weeks, that should lead to a win. I think that the Vikings offense has more cohesiveness and explosiveness right now. Like, you know, they're ticking much better and even Kirk Cousins playing much better quarterbacking than Russell Wilson. But I'm and the 49ers won by eight points and really should have been a double digit uh, lead. They had, you know, they were up what four, 15 points late in that game. I'm going to give Russell Wilson a little bit more credit than that. I don't think it's going to be any type of blowout, but I'll take the Seahawks and the points. I have the 49ers winning 24-21. Oh, you kind of stole my thunder there. I had the Niners by three as well. I I was thinking 27-24, something like that. And if it's a a three-and-a-half point, look, I think that's good money, probably a good bet with the Seahawks at home. Nemesis 49ers sometimes, division opponents familiar. You can throw the record out the window. Uh, getting points more than a field goal at home for the Seahawks feels like that's where the money should go, but I can't pick the Seahawks to beat the 49ers. The Niners are just flat out playing better ball, and if you're going to get bad Russell Wilson, then definitely I'm picking the 49ers in this one. Corbin, how do you see this? Niners-Seahawks Sunday, Week 13. Not feeling optimistic at all about this matchup, and maybe that gives the Seahawks better chance to win this game because I have been god-awful on predictions this year. 
I followed up a year that I went 13 and three last year, predicting games this year, I've gotten two games, right. And a lot of that's because the Seahawks can't win games. And I I just, I don't like this matchup. I really don't. I I think George Kittle's going to be able to do what he wants to do. I think the 49ers will be able to run the ball. I don't think they can just come out and just impose their will right off the bat, but I do think they're going to have success running the ball. And this defense has been on the field so much that those minutes as they have accumulated over the weeks, at some point it's going to come back to haunt them. And I could see this being a game where that comes to fruition. I don't trust this offense and I don't trust Russell Wilson right now to be able to go out and put points in the board. They just haven't been able to do it. And nothing suggests to me that are going to come out this weekend and suddenly be firing on all cylinders and put points in the board. So I'm going 49ers, 23 Seahawks, 13. I just, I don't, I do not trust Seattle to get to 20 points unless their defense somehow creates a turnover and creates some points off of it. I just, you just can't trust this offense right now. Wilson just looks like a shell of himself. They're not targeting DK Metcalf. The run game's been putrid for the most of the part. So I just don't trust the offense. I'm going to go with a 10 point loss and dropping to three and nine on the season. It's just been that kind of year in the Pacific Northwest. I will say Corbin did predict the 49ers win last time, and obviously the 49ers lost that game, right? Now so there reverse, were some things reverse, that uh, Seahawks reverse psychology. <laughs> there were some things that really went in the Seahawks' favor, right? Because remember that game, the way it started, you would have think that the 49ers are gonna blow them out. I mean, the 49ers forced five straight three and outs on the Seahawks offense. Jimmy Garoppolo only got one scoring touchdown out of that, and then he got hurt. Then you have a Trey Lance come in who hadn't gotten any reps. There was no game plan for him or anything like that. Then you had Trent Cannon uh, messing up on kickoff returns. And then Russell Wilson doing a Houdini spin and throw the ball to a perfect spot. So there were some things that went in the Seahawks' favor. That kind of goes to what I was saying earlier. 49ers found ways to shoot themselves in the foot and lose games early on. Is that a thing of the past or would that come back to haunt them? I think uh, that would be the difference in this game. Whew, it's going to be fun. No Debo, no Fred Warner. Will the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, figure this one out against the 49ers in Seattle, week 13? I can't wait for it. Corbin, always a pleasure chatting with you, my man. Thanks for jumping on uh, our, our YouTube channel for the first time. We, we've been on your YouTube, but now we've got the Locked On 49ers YouTube channel going as well. So uh, thanks to you and, and hi to all the uh, Seahawks listeners out there. Croc and I, as always, on Locked On 49ers, will be back. Thanks for making Locked On 49ers and Locked On Seahawks your first listen every day. Back at it tomorrow right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.